Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And for the debut of 2023, take it away, I will. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had great holidays. Tennis Channel Podcast Network's KickServeRadio.com. We're going another year. Of course, we are featuring the great Mats Vlander, seven-time Grand Slam champion. Make it eight. I always have to correct myself. That 86 Wimbledon doubles with Joachim Nystrom, International Tennis Hall of Famer, former number one in the world, also joined by the well-decorated Johnny Levine, inducted into the University of Texas Longhorn Hall of Honor in 2022. But now it's 2023, guys, and the year is off and running. The stories that I want to start with, Mats Vlander, revolve around three players that I think are going to be at the top of the game, both from a results standpoint and a notoriety standpoint. We'll start with the current number one in the world, Carlos Alcaraz, who will not be participating in this year's Australian Open. How big of a loss is it to the men's game not to have that guy coming off of that U.S. Open victory trying to make it two in a row in Australia? Well, Andy, great to be with you. Hope you have a successful 2023. And to you too, Johnny Levine. I think it's very sad. It's upsetting. Uh, It is surprising. And it's very serious. If you can't get your leg or whatever injury in order after you've won the U.S. Open in the middle of September, and here we are four months later at 19 years old trying to get healthy and be able to go to Australia, that to me uh, tells me it's way more serious uh, than than we have been let known by Carlos Alcaraz and, and his team. Um, I hope it's got nothing to do with his body so to speak can his body sustain the physical force that he moves around on on the court which is unbelievable he's so strong and so fast of course i'm jumping out into conclusions but it is very disappointing i would say for me as a tennis fan when carlos alcaraz was literally going to save me um staying in tennis for the next 10 years all right so johnny Mass is disappointed with the situation with Carlos Alcaraz. A year ago at this time, you were disappointed that Novak Djokovic would not be put in a position to be able to win yet another Australian Open singles title. But as you talked about with me a little bit earlier, boy, has Australia changed its tune. And this year, Novak is back. Here's Johnny. Yes, he is, Andy. And it is good to be with you, boys. Hello, hello, hello. And the start of 2023 gives us Novak Djokovic into the Australian Open. Last year, we know what happened. This year, they're saying that even if a player has COVID, from what I understand, they don't have to withdraw. So that is a far cry from what we saw last year. Novak, according to the U.S. regulations, will not be able to play, as of now, Miami or Indian Wells. But we are looking forward to the Australian Open. 
with a full field, uh, excluding Alcaraz, I, I guess. But I think you got to go with Djokovic being the favorite. He picked up the Adelaide title in a tight match. He was down match point to Sevi Korda, pulled that one out. And he's just really at home in Australia. And people talk about 14 French Opens with with uh, Rafael Nadal, but uh, Mass could correct me if I'm wrong. I think Novak has nine Australian Opens, and that's quite a feat. He is sitting on nine, and Mats Vlander. Um, you would think that after winning nine Australian Opens, that Novak would be the hunted. But you came out recently and made some comments about Novak being on a mission. Novak being, you even used the word revenge, and that this guy is on a little bit of a revenge mission down there in Australia. Could this actually work to his advantage that what happened last year happened last year? And as a result, he kind of goes out on the court with kind of some tempered anger to take to the court that he might not necessarily have had otherwise. I mean, obviously, I can't uh, uh, say that I have any idea of what Novak Djokovic is thinking or how he's feeling on the inside. But I can only imagine as a professional athlete, when you feel that you've been most probably done wrong, uh, which I think Novak must have felt uh, in Australia and, and, of course, at the U.S. Open. And like Johnny said, maybe even through this year, coming to America and playing. Uh, but when you feel that, and when and, and he might not even feel that he's been done wrong, but it's just another added reason why I am going to go out there and show everybody who's the best player in the world still, uh, and I'm going to be the greatest player of all time. So I don't think we need to give him uh, motivation outside of beating his opponent, but there's a few things that really uh, uh, Novak can lean uh, lean on to if he should lose some motivation. He can be number one in the world. He can win 10 Australian Opens. He can tie Rafa Nadal with 22. It's three out of five sets. His favorite surface, his favorite place in the world. And I mean, do we dare to say his favorite country, even uh, what happened last year? I would think so. And then the last thing, how excited were the people in Adelaide seeing Novak Djokovic play tennis? It was unbelievably uh, encouraging to see that Australians, who most probably there are some that are still thinking, well, well, hold on, you locked us down, which is the former prime minister, locked us down for nearly two years completely. And Novak wasn't allowed. He's not vaccinated, blah, blah. So I'm sure there are people that are saying the other side. But tennis fans that are Australians are absolutely in love with the fact that Novak is coming. And for him, it's a little bit different to be the crowd favorite, which I think he will be. Johnny, they are in love with the fact that Novak is coming back, but they're even more in love with the fact that they're going to get an opportunity to see Nick Kyrgios again take a stab at this title. Now, he won the doubles last year. He and Tanasi Kokonakis are going to give it a go to defend their title again this year. But more importantly, you know, those fans were treated to an Australian female, Ash Barty, winning the singles title for the first time. And I want to say it was 44 years. And to see Von Gulagong give her that trophy, that was a real treat for them. But I think if you were, if you were to see the Rocket, per se, and Nick Kyrgios, that trophy, would it get any better than that for Australian tennis fans? Andy, it would not get any better than that. 
That is a Australian dream come true. And I know that Nick Kyrgios has battled a recent injury, so I don't know what his status is right now. Do you guys know? Is he okay? Well, he sold out a, a, an exhibition match with Novak Djokovic in 58 minutes and filled the stadium. And he's pretty excited about it, put out some pretty provocative tweets. I know that you guys probably find that shocking. So I think he has made comments to the effect that even he's going to find out when we find out what kind of shape he's in. So I think it's one big, huge question mark, even in the Kyrgios camp, is what I understand. Well, let's just say that that Nick Kyrgios, if, if he is healthy, if he's had enough matches, he is a very dangerous threat. Uh, we, we know that he can go off the rails, but he will be in his home slam uh, coming off that, that tremendous doubles victory with, Tanasi Kokonakis, which uh, got everyone excited there in Australia about about that victory. Um, I'd love to see it happen. I think it would be amazing for the game, but it's a big, big, big task for for Nick Kyrgios because we all know what it takes to win a slam. There's so much mental uh, to, to be a part of winning a slam, ups and downs going through that. So I, I can't say he's a favorite, but but he could be a dark horse, and it'd be definitely fun to see him advance through, through that tournament. He may not be a favorite, but he is definitely a crowd favorite. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of guys that were in this very final last year. We haven't even talked about them yet. Matt Svielander, we'll start with you when we come back to see what the two guys that played an epic final last year, what their prospects are of maybe returning to that final again this year. You're listening to the debut, the 2023 debut of KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and we are back right after this. Andy Zoden here, and I am joined by Ryan Burberry and Jessica Auerkirk. Ryan is the owner, and Jessica is the marketing director for Velocity Tennis. Thank you guys so much for joining us to talk about Velocity Catalyst the first biodegradable tennis string on the market. Talk a little bit about the brand history, because even though this is the first biodegradable string, it's important that people understand that Velocity has been around a while, a lot of experience there. Velocity has indeed been around as a company for over 30 years. It was um, born in Boulder, Colorado. Something you might not know about Velocity is that our company was actually the original creator of rainbow strings. So that's a, a fun fact. And that product continues to be kind of one of our flagship products to this day. Ryan, when we were talking earlier, you talked about the fact that you really wanted to focus on biodegradable strings, plural. Now, right now, the Catalyst I believe is the only one, but it sounds like there's going to be a line of biodegradable strings that could follow in the near future. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there's kind of four major types of strings. So there's polyester, which is what Catalyst is. So we kind of started with that. And then you get into like the synthetic guts and multifilaments. um, And those are a little bit softer, a little bit uh, easier on the arm, better for rec players, stuff like that. But those are kind of going to be the next ones that we're going to implement this technology in. And we're doing uh, buy one, get two free sets at the original retail price, just as an introductory offer. So if you try it out, you buy one set and you get two extra ones for either you or your friends. Get three for the price of one. You can't beat that. The website is VelocityTennis.com. This is Velocity, V-E-L-O-C-I-T-I. Thanks for being on with us, you guys. Good luck with everything. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention, tennis travel fanatics. Sarah Z here for Tennis Channel Podcast Network, reminding you to get to the 2023 BNP Paribas Open, held at the spectacular Indian Wells Garden on your destination list. Tennis in paradise isn't just an expression. At Indian Wells, it's a reality. The best players on the ATP and WTA tours playing their best hardcore tennis at the best venue in the U.S. It is simply the best. This year's event is March 6th through the 19th, and tickets won't last long, so you better get rolling. For an experience you won't want to miss, go to bnpperibasopen.com and get your tickets today. I look forward to seeing you in the desert for Tennis in Paradise. Welcome back, everybody. Tennis Channel Podcast Network's KickServeRadio.com. You are listening to the 2023 debut. And when we left off, Matt, we had talked about, you know, several people in the men's game, starting with the fact that Alcaraz won't be there. He's one in the world. Djokovic, many-time champion. He's the best player in the world right now. He will be back. Uh, we talked about Nick Kyrgios and what it's going to be like watching him play in front of that crowd. That'll be crazy. But we we haven't gotten to yet was the fact that Rafael Nadal pulled off seemingly the impossible coming from two sets to love down at the hands of, you know, who we thought was the best hardcore player in the world at the time, Daniil Medvedev. What are we looking for from either of those two? Are they among the very top favorites or are they just sort of back there kind of laying in wait and maybe they're being sold a little bit short right now? Well, I think you have to look at Nadal and Medvedev quite in, in a – in a different light. I think for Rafael Nadal, he came into um, Australia. At, I mean, he's played the United Cup where he lost a couple of matches. So he's lost six out of his last seven tennis matches. Uh, and for Rafael Nadal, that's not a good for his confidence. Last year, if you remember, he played a little, the small tournament in Melbourne on Road Labor Arena, and he got four or five matches, I'm not sure. Uh, there, practice, you could call it, won the tournament, and then, of course, played great in, in nearly the whole tournament and somehow managed to survive uh, a two-sets-to-love deficit against Medvedev in the final, which was the, the biggest surprise that I think I've seen in 10 years. But he did it. This year, I'm not sure playing the United Cup for Rafa Nadal, having to go up go up against Cam Norrie right. in the first round when you haven't played an outdoor match since the US Open, and then go up against Alex Diminar. I mean, these are not easy players for Nadal. And, and he would have known that looking at the draw. He would have known, well, I play for Spain. I'll play number one because Alcaraz is not here. And then we're up against Great Britain. And, and this is Nori. And I mean, last year he played a couple of matches, or three or four matches, I should say. And they were against 
people that he can beat, people that he could grow some confidence. I mean, if his confidence wasn't any good going to Australia to play the United Cup, I can't imagine that it's much better now. Now, Rafa Nadal uh, is a very humble player, and he's always talking about his opponent and how good everybody is. And we always think, oh, he's just saying that. No, he is not just saying that. He means it. The problem for him is not him. It's the other guys. The other guys are looking at Nadal. He's 36, turning 37. Uh, he hasn't won more than one match in four months. Hey, it's not even a bad draw to play Nadal in five sets at the Australian Open. That's what players are thinking before they go on court. Of course, once they start, uh, maybe things will be different. So I'm very concerned with the uh, defending champion Nadal. Johnny, as we look at the American prospects down under, we're seeing... Taylor Fritz get a lot of fanfare. He's going to be a part of this this new Netflix series, Breakpoint, which we'll be talking about as we go. That airs beginning January 13th, and that's going to take a look at the lives of the generation of players that are going to come, uh, you know, post-Federer Nadal Djokovic. Um, we've seen a lot from Francis Tiafo, and we've seen a lot down under from Francis Tiafo. I remember him beating Grigor Dimitrov a few years back on his 21st birthday. So he's had good results down there. Taylor's had good results. And I think those two in particular, and along with the Tommy Pauls and some of the other young Americans, somebody it seems like is ready to break through and, and perhaps semi this thing. Are you optimistic that way as well? I am optimistic. Andy, I believe that Taylor Fritz right now is a guy that's playing top five in the world tennis. Um, he, he is really, really tough to beat. He had a great United Cup. He's been playing just probably the highest level of tennis in his career. Uh, very tough to beat. Doesn't make a lot of errors. Very aggressive. Serves huge. Tons and tons of confidence. You know, he could break through. I mean, he could actually be one of the next Grand Slam champions and the first from the U.S. since Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open. I think, you know, Francis Tiafo is is right behind him. I don't see him winning a slam quite yet. But as far as the Americans go, you know, Cord is playing well. The other guys are there. Tommy Paul is, 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 is a hot player right now. But as far as winning a slam – I got to go with Taylor Fritz as as good of a favorite as anyone in the world to win to win the Australian Open. Okay, so that takes me to two more Americans match that I want to ask you about, if I may. Who's got a better chance of breaking through and making the semis or better of the Australian Open? If you you pick between Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo, or Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that. Uh... First of all, we're going to talk about the women. Jesse Pegula's match against Iga Swantek in the United States was absolutely not only brilliant in terms of how well she played, but also brilliant in terms of what she showed the rest of the field. This is how you play against Iga Swantek. You can't play soft. You can't play drop shots. you got to take the racket out of her hand. And Pegula is an unbelievable ball striker, and she's so strong mentally. So I think that, again, she's so important for American tennis because she's a late bloomer and through hard work and dedication, you can still break through. And I mean, she's one of the sort of four or five favorites to win the Australian Open, Jesse Pegula now after what she did to Iga Swantek. So again, United Cup, I got to just say, Taylor Fritz, I saw him in Saudi Arabia. 
about a month ago. He won that exhibition beat. beat. Daniel Medvedev in the finals. Um, then he won every match at the United Cup. Actually, he lost one, but it didn't matter. He played great. Uh, the pressure is on in those places. The only thing that I worry about Taylor Fritz is when the, the, the spotlight is on him, like in the Wimbledon quarterfinals against a half-injured Rafa Nadal, is he a limited tennis player at the highest level when you compare to Nadal or Djokovic or Medvedev or even Carlos Alcaraz? These guys know how to change the game up. And Taylor Fritz is sort of a, a one-trick. He goes full. He fights as good as anyone. I'm just a little concerned uh, when it comes down to it on the bigger points, full stadium, tough conditions, can Telefritz pull through? I hope so, because he seems like a great guy. He's, he's so humble. And him and Francis Tiafoe, what an unbelievable team America is going to have going forward, those two. Before we go to break, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesse Pagula, because I think she's got a tailwind behind her. And I'll tell you what it is. Remember, her parents own the Buffalo Bills. And right now, that entire organization is flying high. And I don't know what day it was that she beat Iga Svantec. I wonder if it at all coincided with good news about DeMar Hamlin, because that really lifted the spirits of so many people. And people kept saying, everyone in this country, and I'm thinking to myself, I think it goes beyond this country. And I picked up the phone today, you guys, and I called Murphy Jensen because Everybody had said, we've never seen anything like this in football. And we've never, you know, never seen it, never seen it. And I said, you know, we have seen it in tennis. We saw it a year ago when Murphy Jensen had a cardiac arrest out of nowhere, hit the court, split his head open, concussions. Murphy was in an induced coma for six days. And I said to him, how much have you been following this? He's like, oh, my God, every second of it. And I said, if, if you had to bet on it, Murphy, is DeMar Hamlin going to play football again? And he said, I think he might. He said, but the main thing is he's going to live a good life, and he's been, this is going to change him. Now, Murphy says, I got a few things that I'm a little PTSD about since that episode. If I'm, on a, if I'm driving on a street and the streets are slick or there's ice or whatever, I get a little, I get a little freaked out by that, and I wonder if there are going to be certain things that DeMar, that DeMar experiences. But the bottom line is – that the Buffalo Bills right now are in a really good place. And I just can't help but believe that that is going to give Jesse Pagula, along with the win over Igor Schwantek. Let's talk about the reality of the tennis. That's a huge win. But I can't help but wonder if there's not going to be something extra, a little bit of extra juice for her, seeing this kid come out of this thing the way he has and how that's going to affect that organization. I think they're going to have a good run, and I think Jesse's going to have a good run. Maybe I'm crazy, but I hope I'm not. All right, when we come back, we got a little scuttlebutt on American tennis. We'll close with that. It was a big question mark at the end of the year, and we might have a few answers for you. I think you might be interested, so don't go away. KickServeRadio.com, the 23 debut Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, price line. Hi guys, Sarah Z here with a kick serve, quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru, Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, as we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say more advanced or more experienced in our life, our fitness levels take a hit if we're not careful, don't they? You know, Sarah, they do, unfortunately, and I highly suggest supporting your activities at every stage, pre-workout, intra-workout, and post-workout. So you want to think about a pre-workout. We have a product called Endgame, and that basically will allow you to increase your energy and focus during your workout. And then intra-workout is almost just as critical. So we have branched-chain amino acids called BCAA 311. And that's a perfect product to allow your body to almost refuel while you're working out. It's a super hydrator as well as a muscle recovery while you're working out. And then finally, protein is critical post-workout and Body Fuse Lean Protein is one of the highest quality proteins on the market. Very, very effective, a slow, long burn, six to eight hours after ingestion and after that workout. So your energy, you're not, you're not going to crash and your energy continues. You're feeding your muscles and you just feel great. So with these three elements, pre, intra, and post-workout, you're really going to support yourself at all stages in any activities, in intense workouts, tennis matches, body strength conditionings, uh, sessions, etc. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse bodyfuseusa.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment, 23 debut. Matt's Vlander, Johnny Levine, I'm Andy Zoden, and I want to mark this day down on the calendar. We are recording on January 10th, 2023, and the reason I want to mark it down is because while we were on the break, Matt's Vlander just agreed with me. You cannot be serious! And uh, so I am very excited about that match. You think I have a, a little bit of a point with regard to Jesse Pagula and this whole Buffalo Bills situation. I wasn't sure if I was kind of going out there a little bit too far, but then you also made a point about maybe what's affecting Daniil Medvedev and maybe some of the other Russian players, perhaps. Yeah, I think when when big things are happening in the world and when you're a thoughtful uh, person who who's willing to talk about uh, the ups and downs the way that Daniil Medvedev has done, I mean, there's no way you can tell me, you can't tell me that Russia and their involvement in Ukraine is not affecting someone like Daniil Medvedev. I mean, he's one of the more thoughtful uh, tennis players out there. Um, and uh, it's going to affect him in the same way that it's going to affect Jesse Pegula. Now, what's interesting with with uh, Jesse Pegula is that what does she need to win a major? She needs a, a, a little 
and then, let's say it in the right in the in the right way. Little little happiness, bit of lightness. She's good enough. She strikes the ball beautifully. The only thing she doesn't have are a bunch of trophies in her cabinet. So the confidence winning big tournaments might not be there. But this is the one thing that can help you. You're carefree. That doesn't mean you don't care. You just carefree. Whatever happens is good. And she plays the brand of tennis that needs that positive attitude all the time because she's a bit of hit and miss but her ball striking skills are absolutely unbelievable and when she puts that uh, fighting face on the way that she did in the united cup of course it helps her to have taylor fricks francis tiafo madison keys uh, everybody there behind her that helps but i think you're on to something andy jesse pigula very dangerous daniel medvedev he, he needs to play every point like it's the last point of his life. And I think that it has to affect someone like Medvedev, what's going on in the world with Russia in Ukraine. I would have to think that. Johnny, let's change gears because at the end of the year, there was uh, some, some questions about some decisions that were made with regard to the American squad at the Davis Cup. Uh, you know, you, you obviously had TFO and Fritz. You have to have those two. Jack Sock, and of course, he's very dangerous, particularly on the doubles court. But then he and Tommy Paul took the court to play the decider uh, against the Italians and, of course, came up short. We saw what happened there. Canada wins its first Davis Cup. And we were kind of asking some questions. Why wouldn't Rajiv Ram perhaps be invited to be uh, on the team and part of that doubles? Maybe even an Austin Krychek, who, by the way, finished the year in the top 10 in the world and now has been named to the U.S. Davis Cup team, I'm I'm very happy to report. But you heard a little something about that, and maybe it gives us a few answers. Um, you know, maybe answers we're not going to be particularly pleased about. Well, evidently, Andy, the um, Davis Cup for that tie against Italy, Marty Fish only picked four people, and the the team had that could be picked uh, for that was a maximum of five. And I don't know that they've ever gone with a lesser amount than you're allowed. And that was where Rajiv Ram had a big problem with um, the fact that they didn't, they didn't uh, field a full team. Obviously, you know, he was thinking that he might've been that fifth person. I mean, when you go to a Davis cup tie, there's injuries, there's, you know, practice players. And why wouldn't you take the, 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 the maximum amount allowed? And he was the odd man out and not rightfully. So when, he was number one in the world. He won the, the Masters event. He won the U.S. Open. He was number one in the world. How do you not pick the number one player in the world from the U.S. to be on the Davis Cup team? It's kind of shocking. And, um, you know, since then, I guess Marty Fish has been um, relieved of his duties, and he is no longer the coach, whether that played into it. Um, he had another fine for some sort of discussions about betting. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but Marty Fish is out. Jack Sock played with, I believe, Tommy Paul. And maybe maybe Rajiv Ram is not in that little circle. I don't know. But he is such a respectful, well-spoken sportsman um, that's been nothing but good for the game. And the U.S. tennis uh, represents us very well. I was sad to see. Now they have named him for the next tie. So obviously um, they've retooled things at the USTA and, and they've done the right thing and, and named Rajiv Ram to the, to the next tie. 
Well, it happens in threes, Johnny. The Denver Broncos football coach gets fired. The Arizona Cardinals football coach gets fired, and out goes Marty Fish. So there you go. So <laughs> who's next? Who's knocking after Marty Fish? Do we know? Well, I you know I was thinking Bob Bryan, but if he's kind of if Bob is tied to this gambling allegation, which I, I find it kind of laughable that these guys would be in trouble when let's go back to the DraftKings tennis desk at Tennis Channel. And yet somehow or another, these guys get in trouble for doing something which is being promoted by Tennis Channel, which every red-blooded sports fan in the world is doing, uh, you know, in spades these days. So that's a whole nother controversy and, and contradiction for another day. Your thoughts, though, on on this Davis Cup situation, Mats, and, and how egregious do you find that to be uh, that, that the number one doubles player who, as Johnny said, won the U.S. Open, won the Tour and Championships and wanted to be there? being left off of that team yeah i mean obviously again it it it, uh, might come down to just camp chemistry between personalities but at the same time when you have five guys you can pick five guys you can pick uh one guy who deserves to be there in fact who has the right to be there because of his results on the court no matter how he he, he he is with the other guys now. Like Johnny, like you were saying, Rajiv Ram seemed like a great guy, very nice, very well spoken. Uh, it wouldn't hurt a fly. But I think, yeah, you got to put him in a team, and then when you're there on site, you might then tell him, "Listen, I don't care how good you are, you're not playing because Jack Sock." still might be the best doubles players in the world. And he kind of is picking his own partner because it's a matter of chemistry between personalities. But I think that when you've done what Rajiv Ram has done, you kind of deserve to be there. And now whether you ask him to come or stay home or play or not play, that's a completely different story. But that's a huge thing to be selected to represent your country when you're an American in Davis Cup. So, yeah, that's... That's a tough one. I believe you said that he's been selected for the next for the next Davis Cup, which is cool. Um, I think United Cup, guys, is going to take over. To me, that's a much more interesting tennis tournament than Davis Cup. Women, men together, supporting each other. It's great for the women's game because they come out and they are hitting the ball as hard as the men, or even harder. And the men to show Francis Tiafo's involvement emotionally when Jesse Pegula or Madison Keys is playing. I think it's just great for the game. I hope and wish them uh, all the best luck with United Cup. I watched everything, much more so than Davis Cup. Well, I was always thinking that that's the format that they should have used for the Olympics tennis right. to make that you know, a, a unique format that would give a little bit more juice to winning an Olympic gold medal as a team like that. That to me seemed very cool, but since they haven't done that, uh, I have to agree with you, Matt. All right, before we go, lots of upcoming travel plans that you need to start making. Obviously you heard earlier from Sarah Z to get out to the desert, uh, tennis in paradise, Indian Wells, and also tennis in the desert happening again this year in Phoenix, the Arizona tennis classic, the 2023 version. It's going to be back and better than ever. Congratulations, Johnny, on bringing that back. And I know you're excited because this challenger level has been elevated from years before. Tell us about that on our way out the door here. Well, the uh, 2023 edition will be a new category on the challenger tour called a challenger 175. And they are challengers that have been scheduled between two master series tournaments that overlap so that gives players 
the opportunity to play an event in between if they lose early before going to the next thousand master series because those tournaments are now a little bit longer in in length and so there's a little more lag time so there's an opportunity to play a high level tournament in between 175 points now to the winner prize money now has gone from 159,000 which was the challenger 125 which we were now to $220,000 and looking forward to having you guys at the event um, I think I think it's going to be a great year of uh, of the Arizona Tennis Classic. All right, it is going to be great. And in tw- in 2019, Matteo Berrettini was your champion. In 2022, Dennis Kudla was your champion. And now they've elevated the prize money and the points. And he's already had amazing players down there. Yes, we are excited to be down there with you, Johnny. And for former world number one, eight time major champion. Matt's Lander, University of Texas Hall of Honor, Hall of Famer, Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. This is KickServeRadio.com. This has been the season debut. We're part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and we're looking forward to having a great year, and we appreciate you guys being there for us, and we will see you on the courts real soon.